we're going to talk about what baptism is. We're going to talk about what baptism is not. And then we're going to talk about two reasons why baptism is important. And so what are some different ideas or beliefs that you've heard regarding baptism? Doesn't mean that you necessarily think it, but anybody here want to share something that they have heard or been confused by regarding baptism? Okay. Yeah, we believe in immersion, which is it's called, or dunking would be the unofficial term, versus a sprinkling. Good. And we'll explain, hopefully it makes sense why we believe in immersion. Yeah, some people think it's a way of salvation. Some people baptize babies or some, was anybody here baptized as an infant? Few, okay. And we'll tell you why we don't personally do infant baptisms. That hopefully that'll make sense. So as you can see, there's a lot of different ideas. And if you've been baptized as an infant, it's not a bad or wrong thing. It's just not what we do. In fact, I, as a child was baptized before I was really a Christian, I didn't really understand what I was doing. I did it. And then later I'll have what I called my official baptism. I was like, Oh, now I'm making a decision that uh, I'm, I'm doing this because I really understand and what I want to do it. In fact, our daughter has been asking for about four or five years to be baptized. And I kept telling her, no, I want, I want you to understand before you make this decision. I don't know if she just liked the idea of getting dunked. Uh, <laughs> But she was actually been able to articulate, like, why would you be baptized for a couple years now? We had her hold off. She's getting baptized today. Um, and so, and we've had other people in here who've been baptized a couple times. So there's not, not nothing necessarily wrong with that. And so this is what we're going to cover. And I want to just start out by what is baptism. So according to the Bible, baptism is a symbolic act whereby, big fancy word, a Christian identifies with Christ, death, burial, and resurrection. And so if you picture a person going down and being immersed in the water, it's a picture of a person before dying, buried, and raised up, just like we know that Christ was. So that's the picture there in the immersion. That's why we do immersion is it's a sim symbol or demonstrates an old person dying and a new person being raised up. And it's an outward testimony of an inward spiritual change. So baptism doesn't necessarily, it doesn't save you. It doesn't give you a new spirit. It doesn't make you new. It shows that you have been made new. It's a demonstration of that. What it's not is it's not an act that saves us or gives us eternal life. Some people uh, teach that you have to be baptized. You're not going to heaven unless you get baptized. You're not a Christian unless you've been baptized. We personally don't believe that's exactly what scripture teaches. We believe belief and then baptism. Baptism is a follow-up step of obedience. It's not something that saves you. It's not uh, something that makes us new. You're not born again by being baptized. And it's all, not also... If any of you have been baptized before, it, you know it doesn't promise that you're automatically spiritually mature. It doesn't mean you're going to continue to be faithful 
and it doesn't make you spiritually better than somebody else. And I know that sometimes people hold off on baptism because they believe, uh, well, I'm not sure if I'm ready for that next level of a walk with God. And let me just say, as we'll look at some verses, people in scripture were baptized and immediately went. They didn't have to achieve a certain level of a walk with God before they did it. That's what the Bible teaches. They believed, they were made new, and they went and were baptized as a symbol of that. So I think when we decide to start talking about baptism, a lot of people can get confused, overwhelmed, um, feel maybe insecure about why they shouldn't be baptized. And I just want to help us understand scripture teaches it's just a step of obedience that you take. You don't have to achieve a spiritual, get on the spiritual plane of totally committed to follow Christ, got rid of all the sin in your life. That never happens. In fact, people who are total pagans believed in Christ, changed what they were believing, and immediately were baptized. They had been living pagan lives, anti-God, and in the same day, they were baptized. So it just demonstrates it's just to show that something new has happened. In fact, here are some, some verses. Acts, uh, these are all from Acts. It says, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 at all. So belief and then baptism. They believed and they were baptized and then they were added to the church on that day. It all happened in the same day. Acts 8 says, but now the people believed Philip's message of the good news concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. They believed. And as a result, many men and women were baptized. It's a result. It's something they did afterwards, after they believed. Simon himself believed and was baptized. We don't want to get that reversed. Baptizing doesn't save us. Baptizing doesn't get us to heaven. Baptizing is a symbol. You believe. Scripture teaches you believe and then you're baptized. So we don't put our faith in any work, good deeds. Baptism, you might consider good deed. That's not what saves us. It's Jesus Christ. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, and everyone in his household believed in the Lord. Many others in Corinth also heard Paul, became believers, and were baptized. You kind of got the picture here? What comes first? Belief. Faith. That's right. So some of you have heard me. In fact, I feel like maybe some of you have gotten sick of hearing this analogy as, as I've explained it, but I'm going to use it again because I feel like it's very fitting uh, of wedding rings. So just as a wedding ring is a symbol of a special relationship between a husband and wife, baptism is a symbol of a new relationship we have with God. Everyone knows that wearing a wedding ring does not make a person married. Likewise, being baptized does not make a person new. Wedding rings simply serve as an outward expression of a relationship that has already been established. Baptism serves as an outward expression of the new relationship we have with God. So if I lo lose this wedding ring today, am I no longer married to Carly? If she gets mad at me and takes her wedding ring off and throws it in the lake, are we no longer married? Not yet. <laughs> We're still married, right? The wedding ring serves as a symbol. Does wearing this wedding ring mean that I'm the best husband in the whole wide world? And I'm just an awesome husband? No. Baptism is very similar. 
It's something I look at as a reminder. It tells other people I'm married. It reminds me of the relationship that has already been established. And if I look at that ring, if nothing else, it doesn't remind me that I'm the world's best husband because I'm not. It reminds me I'm married. I need to act like it, live like it, and try and be a good husband. Baptism serves as a reminder of a relationship that you've had been have been given with God by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You get baptized to show here's the relationship. And if you're ever like, I don't know about this whole thing. I'm kind of, you can look back and go like, oh yeah, I remember I got baptized out there in the parking lot of that church that day. And that helps me remember that I'm to be living as a new person. Just like if I see my ring, it reminds me I'm supposed to be living as a husband, not as a single guy. Make sense? So the ring, I think, is a good uh, illustration for us. Two reasons why baptism is important. I'm going to take a, a, quite a bit more time on this. Are, are there any questions up to this point? You know we kind of interact a little bit here on Sundays. Don't throw me real brain busters, but... No? Okay. So reason number one is it's a public testimony that identifies us as disciples of Christ. Just as my ring publicly identifies me as married, baptism is something we do in front of people. It could be in front of one other person. It could be, it's, but it's usually something that's done publicly. Sometimes people can't do that because of health reasons. They're baptized at home in their bathtub or whatever that might be. But typically, it's something that's done in a public place to identify and display, hey, here's my faith in, in Jesus Christ outward. Um, so it serves as this public testimony in Matthew. I know that's a little dark. Matthew 28, Jesus commands his followers. He says, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So it's something he tells the followers to do, something they are to be, make disciples. And when you, you have these followers of Christ, have them be baptized. And it demonstrates that they are follow, followers of Christ. Baptism was around long before Christ was human on earth. They would baptize, the Jewish people would baptize people. And what it served as is was an identification, and this might make a little more sense, that you are identified with this new group or this new belief or uh, the apostle, or uh, not the apostle, John the Baptist baptized a baptism of repentance, and it was to demonstrate that I'm, re I'm repentant. And so what it does is it serves as an outward testimony and displays and lets everybody see. So as we go out there today, I'm going to ask the people, have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation? Are you trusting him and him alone to give you eternal life? Something to that effect. And they'll say, yes, Lord willing. Or if not, if they say no, we'll have a little talk right there and give them a chance to do that. But uh, I've talked to them all. But yes. And then we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so what does that signify? And I believe what that signifies is the name, as we talked about a few weeks ago, is authority. So in other words, by the authority of Christ, that person is identified 
as a new person, not because they think they've done so many awesome things, not because uh, we got together a little council of people and said, yeah, you, you're a new person. It's because God says they are new by the authority or by the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all in agreement that that person has become a new person. Make sense? So it serves as, as a public way. Baptizing, another reason why we do immersion, baptized by immersion, is that's actually what the word originally means. It has the idea of submerging into. And so they would use this term uh, when they would dye a garment or like drawing water, you put a, put a ladle into a bucket of water. It's to submerge. It's to put totally submerge into. So if you're going to dye a t-shirt, you submerge it into whatever it is. You want to turn that white t-shirt purple, you submerge it into purple. The idea is that it's completely submerged into, fully united, fully identified with Christ. It now is, we are now in Christ and we want to display that. Make sense? Galatians 3.27 says this. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. I'm going to draw, I'm going to show a little picture here and hopefully this will, because I feel like that might not make a lot of sense. Here's us outside of Christ. Some of us wish we had that shaped body. Some of us it's inverted the other way around, but some of you get that and some of you don't. All right, so let's just say outside of Christ, separated from Christ, not yet a believer. Let's give me some things that are true of Jesus Christ. Can I say righteous? What else? Good. What else? Good. What else? Huh? He is the way, the truth, and the life. Someone else said something? Just? Good. Any others? Yeah, we have all these things. Um, he has power over sin, right? So you see all these things. Go ahead. Our Savior. All right. Savior. All right. So here's us separated from Christ. We have not put our faith in Christ. We have not put uh, our belief in him. So we are separate from him, right? And so you look at a person outside of Christ. Are they righteous? Are they loving? Have they been, has their sins been forgiven? We could argue that one back and forth. Truth, are they marked by truth? Have they been redeemed? Are they fair? No, but see, here we go back. It says, for all of you who were baptized into Christ, submerged into Christ, unified with Christ, made one with Christ, 
have clothed yourselves with Christ. So that's what your, your robes are, is now Christ. And so if you picture that, all those things we talked about, is it, oh, come on, all those things we talked about, and then you take us and you place us in Christ. We've been submerged into, uh, we are now clothed in Christ. All those things become true about us. He's the redeemer, so we've been redeemed. He is loving, so we've been given that spirit of love. And we are loved. He's forgiven, forgiving, and has forgiven, and so we can be marked as forgiven people. He is marked by truth, so we would be people marked by truth. He is righteous, so we are righteous. So when we begin to understand that we've been baptized or submerged into Christ, it's to help us understand that we are one with Christ. And so what's true about Christ is true about us. That's almost a little too good to believe, isn't it? But that's what he wants us to know, that we've been clothed with Christ. So that is who we are. That's now who we are identified as, is Christ people. Does this make sense? What kind of stuff gives us our identity other than truth and God's word and Christ? What are some other ways that we identify ourselves? Some wrong ways, we'll say. By what we have. By what we have. Good. If you have a lot, then you're what? Successful. Better. If you have a little, not successful. What else? So you have an identity there. Successful, not successful. When you're in Christ, are you successful or not successful? Successful. What if you hardly have anything? You're still successful. So you begin to see, oh, I've been submerged into Christ. I've been clothed in Christ. What else is another thing we identify ourselves with? Bye. What we do, right? Who are you? I'm a pastor. Well, what if I'm not a pastor anymore? And I've put the last 10, 12 years into being a pastor, and that's who I am. That can change any day, can it? I'm a plumber, and I've been a plumber. I've been a teacher, and I've been a pastor, and a lot of other weird things, uh, you know, boat guy and RV guy. If I take those as my identity... That's shifting sands. If I take my identity as being a Cantrell, that's really shifting sands. Some of you guys know I found out a year and a half ago or whatever that my birth father is and my father, birth, my father is and my birth father. So all of a sudden, if I'm like, everything about me is Cantrell blood, and then I realize I don't really have genuine Cantrell blood flowing through me. Got a lot of Cantrell attitude flowing through me, but and then I'm rocked. If you have all your uh, hope put in being a spouse and your husband or wife divorces you and that's your identity, I'm a wife. You've lost it. Do you get what I'm saying? We put our identity on these shifting sands, but when we are in Christ, we can be standing solid knowing I'm new, I'm righteous, I'm whole, I'm loved, I'm forgiven. What, what if you don't feel forgiven? I'm in Christ. I'm still forgiven. Anybody in here ever feel not forgiven? Feel dirty instead of clean? Unrighteous instead of righteous? God's word says you are in Christ. You've been made righteous. You've been forgiven. So we don't live according to our feelings. So 
It's very significant what we do when we do baptism because it's a picture of that of being placed into Christ. Any questions or comments about that? I feel like this is one of the areas that Christians struggle with is they become, we become a Christian, we put our faith in Christ and then walking out our life of Christ, we have all these other voices of who we are. And some of them are good, some of them are not so good, some of them are prideful, some of them are arrogant. But when we begin to find our identity in Christ and that's what we stand on and that alone, it makes us, it gives us strength. Not what people tell us or not how we feel. Reason number two, and this will take a little more time on this, it helps demonstrate the spiritual reality that has occurred in a believer. Died, raised again new. That's happened to every believer. I'll, I'll, hopefully this will make sense. It helps demonstrate the spiritual reality that has occurred. The moment of salvation, not the moment of water baptism, the moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Your old sinful self died, I'll explain that more, and you're born new, righteous, and alive in Christ. Baptism demonstrates, or it's a symbol of, it's a picture of, it's a proclamation of that change. So here's a verse, um, a couple verses from Romans. We're going to go through and take some time explaining this. If you have been baptized, or even if you're like, I'm not getting baptized this time, as long as you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, this stuff is true about you that we're going to go over right now. And so if you're like, I don't know why he's going over this baptism stuff. I was baptized 10 years ago. This doesn't really apply to me. This applies to every believer in Jesus Christ. And this, I feel like, is game-changing stuff that we're going to cover right now. So if you put your faith and trust in Christ and you haven't been water baptized yet, that's okay. This still applies to you. Have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ? So basically what the, the context of this is, Paul says, hey, when you sin, God's grace is even greater than that sin. And then you sin, God's grace is even greater than that sin. And then so the people, and then so he goes, we're not reading the verses here, but right before they're like, he goes, so should you keep sinning so that more and more grace happens? What do you think the answer is to that? Like if God's grace is always greater than sin, if I sin a lot, then God's grace is going to get maxed out. He's like, certainly not. Heck no, definitely not. He says, or have you forgotten that we were, so the idea here is, should I be sinning? That's kind of the context. Should we keep sinning? Have you forgotten that we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism? Again, this isn't just a water baptism. This is the idea of being submerged into Christ. We joined him in his death. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. That's a lot, and that's heavy, right? I feel like as we go over these verses, sometimes I begin to go, for we died and were buried? How many people here have died and been buried? You're kind of like, well, yeah, that is kind of confusing. I mean, not in the dirt. I've never been buried in the dirt. I've never physically died. So what is he talking about here? What died? So let's talk about this. So here we're going to get to some of the other outsides of this circle. That's just kind of areas of life. We have a soul. We have a body. And then that thing in the middle, 
is our spirit. Okay. So this picture we have here is what everybody's born with in their spirit. And scripture says we are born with the spirit of Adam. We're all born with that spirit in us. And our soul houses our, it's our mind, our feelings, our will, our mind, will, and emotions. So we have a spirit. Everybody's born with the spirit. I kind of tend to wonder, like, are animals born with the soul? I don't know. But the spirit is separate. A spirit is makes us, we're created in the image of God. We're spiritual beings. So scripture talks about spirit, soul, and body. And then sometimes it kind of interchanges the word soul and spirit. So everybody who's born is born with the spirit of Adam. It's a spirit of death. And so everything in life comes for that person comes from a spirit of death. Their speech, they may polish up their speech and say good words instead of bad words. But the source of it, it's rooted in a spirit of death. So even if they polish it up and fix it up, their use of time. If they're an unbeliever, it's ultimately coming from a spirit of death. Their mind is influenced by the spirit of death. Their will or decision-making is influenced by a spirit of death. Their emotions and feelings are influenced by a spirit of death. Even if they're good people, does this make sense? And so they'll do what they can to, to, to manage and to, to figure that out. And even if they are good people, a lot of times it has no it may look good, but it has no spiritual value or no spiritual life attached to it. What they're doing has no spiritual life attached. So when we say we were crucified with Christ, what gets crucified and raised again is this old spirit is what dies. And we are then given the spirit of God or spirit of Christ. And so then I've been crucified. The old spirit of rich, that old Adam spirit is gone. And I've been given now what we say, the spirit of God, the Holy spirit, uh, uh, Romans eight says the spirit of Christ. So we have something new. It's not something that we can see. So when you say you've been crucified with Christ, no one here's had nails po poked through their hands, but your old man that old part of you has been crucified with christ now you have the life of god in you and you have the option to let the life of god influence your mind you have the option to now let god influence your decisions your feelings and then you have the ability to have your have true life spiritual life in your areas of speech true life and maybe the spiritual part or this part of your maybe it's anger or worry you now have a spiritual source the source of god to give you life there before you don't even have a choice you're a slave to sin that's all you can really do even if it looks nice any questions does this make sense so this is what's new what this is what's raised up this is the new you but you know what all this is inside this body. So if this is the body here, good to see you. Uh, that's our body. 
then the reality is that's not what people, people don't see this. Someone makes a decision tonight. If you made a decision in your bed, you're laying there and say, I want to put my trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. You're not going to wake up with a new face and new arms and new legs. You're going to have the same old body, but you will have a new spirit in you that will bring life to your life. Does this make sense? So that's the good news when you talk about that old person's dead and we're doing that with baptism. That old you is dead and there's been made something new. This is what we're symbolizing, that you've been given a spirit of life. That's what's new about you. So it says, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. So the good news for a believer is when you've been, when you're in Christ, now you have that kind of power to live a new life. So if we go back to our picture, what were some of the things in there? Does anyone struggle with use of time? Does anyone struggle with uh, anger, worry, those things? Does it, think about the sin that, that you personally struggle with. Does anyone here ever struggle with bitterness or unforgiveness? Does anyone here ever struggle with selfishness or lust? Does anyone here ever struggle with greediness or money things or not wanting to share your stuff or your time? Yes, we do. And if you don't, First John says you're a liar. So there's your sin. You're a liar. So we're all, we're all in that game together. But here's the, the good news. We may live new lives. and We don't have to stay in that. If you're a liar, you don't have to stay a liar. If you're greedy, you don't have to stay greedy. If you're selfish, you don't have to stay selfish. If you're bitter, you don't have to stay bitter. You get the point. Because we've been given the life of Jesus Christ inside of us. We've been given a source of life. So this is a, that passage continues. So I want to explain that and then uh, go a little bit further in this. Since we have been united with him, submerged into him, made one with him and his death, we also will be raised to life as he was. We know that our own old sinful selves were crucified. That's that coffin. That was what was crucified so that sin might lose its power. That's like the, uh, that's like the power source of sin. And once that's gone, now you have some choices. Now you have some options. You don't have to obey that. We are no longer slaves to sin. Some of us enslave, allow ourselves to be enslaved to a particular sin, but we don't have to be. That's not our identity. You're not slave to sin. You're, I've choose to let this sin be my master. It's a choice. We are no longer slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ, that picture, the new spirit, or old, old us dying, given new, we were set free from the power of sin. This is not my words. This is God's word. We've been set free. We've been given a choice over sin because we've been made new. And... Let me say something, though. We will struggle with sin for the rest of our lives, as I'll get to here in a minute. But we don't have to be mastered by those sins. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead, and he will never die again. That is a permanent change that happens. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. 
so you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ. This part, is, I think, is where we struggle. Consider yourselves to be dead. That's it. You know. And if when you're thinking, it's kind of an accounting type idea, reckoning, and it's kind of like, I'm, I don't have to be connected to sin. I don't have to be a slave of sin. But we can now begin to tell ourselves, I don't have to. I'll give a personal testimony. I've just realized, and I never really thought this. I knew I was an intense person. That can just, you know, those are some nice words for it. There are other words uh, that I could pick, but just an intense person. And I've just, even in the past couple of weeks, realized it's anxiety. It's stress. I mean, I would call it stress. Like, I'm a stressed out person. Like, I don't shut it off. And that's sin. That's anxiousness. And as God's revealed this to me, part of what I'm beginning to say is, I don't have to live stressed out. I don't have to be a slave to stress and anxiety and worry. I have a choice. I can choose to do that. I can choose not to. So this begins to help us to see that we can be set free from these sinful things in us. Make sense? So here we have our life. You could add in anything. You could have your job, uh, your church life. You could add uh, friendships. You could add parenting in here. I don't have parenting in here. You could add whatever. You could probably put 200 different things in here, right? It's kind of all the different areas of life. Just think of all the different areas of life. I'm guessing you struggle in one or two of those areas. And I'm guessing that God hasn't lit up every one of these right now. And he's going, you, you're, you're sinful in your friendships. You're sinful at work. You're sinful in speech. You're sin Maybe you are living in that, but there's probably one or two that are kind of highlighted where there's a sin struggle. For me right now, it's the anxiety thing. That's embarrassing to even say, but that's one of the things he kind of like, hmm, we got to start dealing with this. So can you relate? Can you got something in here? It's not just me, right? It's not just your sinful pastor that deals with this stuff. You guys can relate to having a sin struggle somewhere in here. Maybe for you it's lust. Maybe for you it's money, whatever. Your language. I think that might be what Carly's working on. Just kidding. Um, joking. I'm joking. Um, so we have this other part of us. We'll call it our soul. So we have a spirit also, right? We've caught, I showed you that. But we have a mind will and, and, and feelings usually what happens is for us something needs to be clicked on in the mind towards that for me anxiety there's something that has to go alert and go like oh i know from scripture that's a sin i know and i see the conviction of the holy spirit so now i can see that now i need to make some decisions about what i'm going to do and usually that will affect my feelings make sense so i'm going to cross out anger here and I'm going to write worry, which that's so embarrassing. I hate to even say it. I always think of worry as like girl stuff. Um, it's like the sissy sin. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm worried about, and now I'm worried about what you think of me right now. I just, I just want to make sure you're paying attention to me. You look like you might have been fading off there for a second. Just kidding. So the old rich before salvation has no choice of how to deal with that worry, right? 
I'm a slave to it. I'm a slave to that sin. There's no life in me that can combat that. But as, oh, you. Anger could still be a one of mine right here, too. Um, but now I've been given a spirit of Christ. And please, don't make this all about me being anxious, because you guys got your stuff, too, right? I'm just doing that to kind of help. Be like, oh, yeah, I'm really sorry you're dealing with all your worry, Rich. Like, well, what are you dealing with? Let's talk about that. Um, so now the spirit of God, spirit of Christ can influence my mind. He usually does it through this. I have truth. I think uh, you mentioned that we have truth now. I can make decisions. I have a choice. I don't have to give in to worry. I don't have to allow feelings to rule like, well, I just feel worried. I can go, that's not true. I don't have to feel worried. I'm choosing to feel worried or anxious right now or stressed out, intense. Intense seems more guyish to me. But, um, so now I, ha I have this option. And what happens is little by little, there will be, if I submit or surrender to this, there will be victory in that area. I may never perfect it, but I can have victory and I don't have to be a slave to that area. I begin to get more and more real estate submitted to God. And then you know what? Then all of a sudden he's going to show me, hey man, I got some stuff I want to do in your family. And so what ends up happening is we begin to look more and more like Jesus Christ. So all these areas begin to reflect Jesus Christ instead of rich because it's Christ that ends up shining out through these areas. Does this make sense? And so if you're like, well, why am I, why am I not just perfect in every way right now if I have the spirit of Christ in me? It's because he works in that sanctification is through a process. And I just want you to find comfort. He's probably got one or two areas right now where he's wanting you to surrender to his spirit. And you can do that because you've been given new life. Now there's this nasty old thing in us called flesh. It's in every single one of us and it'll be in us till the day we die. And it's a natural, I will call it the animalistic part of us. And it's fight, flight, sometimes freeze. But it's the part of us that's going to be at odds with God. It says it in Romans 8. It's at work with God. So God starts showing you something. I want you to do this. I want you to start doing this in your job. Well, flesh is going to get in there and go, no, it's not really time to do that. You don't need to do that. That's too embarrassing. That's too humbling. You don't need to do, don't tell the truth. Don't tell them you've been taking money from the till. Don't do, do, and then so what happens is we don't end up growing in that area, but it's because of the choice we made. It's not because we don't have the spirit of God. It's then a choice. We don't have to be a slave to that. Does all this make sense? So I want to just review. What is baptism? It's a symbol. It's an outward sign of what has happened inward, just like a wedding ring. It's a symbol of the relationship we've been given. What baptism is not, it's not an act that saves us. It's not an act that makes us new. It's not an act that makes us superior to anyone else, any other believer. Why is it important? It identifies us with Christ and it shows it's a proclamation. It's a public testimony. It's an identification of I am now in Christ. That's who I am. It also serves as a symbol of what's happened to us. The old us has died 
and there is a new us, new us that has been given the spirit of God, a spirit of life. So we have the opportunity to be victorious and to live victorious Christian lives, not failed sinful Christian lives. And that usually happens in little pockets as we submit and surrender, because now we have a choice before we didn't. Any questions, comments, thoughts? Does that help a little bit? Kind of like, what is baptism? I know that might be a lot, but that's what baptism is. And that's why we think it's important. I'm going to say one more time. If you haven't been baptized, I would encourage you to be baptized. I don't want anyone to do it out of guilt, though. I don't want anyone to do it out of uh, feeling pressure. This is, is something with you and your walk with God. But I would encourage you, if you feel like God's wanting you to do that, I would encourage you to do it today. You're like, well, I didn't bring my swimsuit, whatnot. We'll get you a towel, and you can go with what, what you have on. And I would encourage you to do that if you feel like God is wanting you to do it and you have not done that before. You're, you're welcome to do that. And uh, so what we'll do is we're going to sing another song. I'm going to pray. We'll sing a little bit. And as we close out the service, we'll give a few minutes. We'll let people go get changed that want to change. Or if you want to be baptized and you haven't, uh, we haven't talked about that, just come let me know. And then we'll all meet back out here. If you want to stay cool, we'll just holler for when we're going to go do that. And I'm going to face that way so that the people can get, some people want pictures. They won't be just getting all the vehicles in the way. So I'm going to face out that way. But you can go wherever you want to kind of hang out just all around if you want. And then we'll kind of go from there. And if you have any questions on the way out, I'm going to go change and, and stuff myself. But if you have questions, I'll take a few minutes to talk to you and we can do that. Sound like a plan? All right. I'm going to pray one more time. Father, we come before you. We again, thank you for your son. Thank you for the fact that we have the opportunity to be made new and live new lives. Thank you for that. You give us a beautiful symbol of that and a way to demonstrate that. Uh, we are grateful. And I just ask that you would uh, prod anybody that you want to be baptized that has maybe not thought about it or understood it until today. I pray that you would lead and guide them. I pray that those who are being baptized, that this would be a significant day for them, would kind of mark in their minds a day when they publicly acknowledged new life and uh, being saved. We love you. We thank you again for loving us so much. And we pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Mm -hmm.